It is time for a guest entry. But first, a quick disclaimer. Most of the guests I've had on were recorded through Discord due to us being long distance. If the quality dips, it's due to my connection. But I hope each of these conversations brings you new knowledge of the creative and cultural arts. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to another guest entry. Today, I have Jeffrey Golden, a writer of games and multimedia. He has developed an email RPG called The Adventure Snack, where you receive a choose-your-path newsletter and actually have fun with your emails for once. You can find his work in the link found in the show notes. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, my wonderful audience. I'd like to introduce you all to Joffrey Golden. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, I pronounce it Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Like, uh, yeah, like Jeffrey Giraffe from Toys oh, R Us. Or perfect. Jeffrey Rush, the, the, the once famous actor <laughs> in the piano. Yeah, so you are... I don't think about Jeffrey Rush much anymore. Although he did do the Pirates, the, those Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So, oh. Uh, yeah, so that that's I guess that's probably what he's best known for as opposed to the piano. I should start <laughs> say he was I should start saying uh Pirates of the Caribbean as opposed to the piano. Yeah. Check. <laughs> Check. So Jeffrey Golden, uh you are a that's writer me. of multiple mediums. Thanks for coming on the to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. So if you can, please kind of give my audience a rundown of who you are, what you do and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Um, I'm a narrative designer and video game writer, so anything having to do with a story in video games, that's in my purview. Um, I've written for studios like Capcom, Ubisoft, Square Enix, Disney, um, and uh, yeah, and I I have a newsletter called Adventure Snack where I write short uh, choose-your-path adventure games, uh, like interactive fiction games that I send. Uh, to my subscribers, and you can play that for free at adventuresnack.com. Um, and uh, yeah, as, I, as you said, I've worked in multiple media, so I've worked in I've worked in video games primarily, but I've also done uh, write, written and produced fiction podcasts, uh, comics, um, board games, and tabletop RPGs. See, this is where um, we're gonna we're gonna have so much fun in this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let's geek out here. Let's geek out. I'm ready. So yeah, I'm, uh, I, I am, I, I've, I've been writing for, you know, over, God, has it been 15 years, 20 years? I don't know, professionally, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I always love to talk to people about the, the craft of, of writing, particularly of, uh, interactive fiction and game writing. Uh, it's a passion of mine. So yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's dive in. Awesome. Okay. So first off, I, I want to hear like what started you on this path on yeah. on creating or or just storytelling in general I I would say <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was in I think it was like 3rd grade and I loved uh comic strips mm-hmm. I was so into comic strips and I I would read anything. I'd read, you know, like Mad Magazine, but primarily, and, and Garfield was a big one. Yeah. I used to do chore. I used to do chores for my sister. So she would give me her Garfield books. Wow. And, and I'd read them and then I would write, I would write and draw my own comics. That mm. was, uh, that was huge. And I, I took art lessons though. I was never really great at, uh, I never really had a hand for the art aspect, but the writing uh, was pretty good. And in school assignments, uh, I'd be encouraged to write. I would write fiction for the school newspaper mm. and a humor column. And just, I, I, I got a lot of encouragement from my writing. And so I followed it um, as a career. And I came out to Los Angeles and, you know, I knew I wanted to be a professional writer, but um, I, I worked in all these different aspects of it. it pro- in the, on the internet, there was all these, you know, comedy websites at one time, and I used to write for those. And, and mm. video games was an early client of mine. I used to work for, for I worked from game studios early on. And, um, yeah, just things just sort of clicked for, for but it was a, a lifelong passion for writing. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I've had a lifelong passion for writing in, in general, too. My, 
my path kind of took me on to like a, it, it was more so I wanted to ex like create a, an entire universe for people to be, to be immersed into. And that's because mm, I was yes. inspired for, for, from things like Marvel and like Star Wars and, and, and things like that. Um, when it comes to my stuff, I, I'm, my audience knows I'm a tabletop RPG developer it's like the focal point of this entire adventure that I've created. Uh, for you, though, because you've dabbled in multiple fields, how did you manage? Like, how did how did you manage each one? And like, what what kind of stemmed you on on the onto the different paths of going like to like comic book creation or or maybe like writing for for video games or like TV shows or like what what. What were the the moments that took you on to those separate paths? Yeah. So do you know uh, do you know the Price is Right? Yes. Do you know uh, do you know a game called Plinko? I don't believe so. Yeah. So in Plinko is one of the classic Price is Right games. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a it's a big board with. Um, and and there's like a bunch of like little pegs on the board, and you you take what's like a you know if you play like air hockey, like a puck, like a light puck or something like that, mm-hmm. and you drop it, and it it kind of bounces around the board, yeah, in like interesting ways, and then you end up in one of the slots below, and maybe one of them is the slots is like a new car, but one of the slots might be. You know, up five hundred dollars in groceries or yeah. whatever it is. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, writing, I have found, at least for myself and for the people I know, um, having a career as a writer in Los Angeles is kind of like playing plinko with your <laughs> career. Like the, I know I, I'm going to get a job in writing. Like I'm confident always. You know, but for many years I just kind of took catch as catch can, you know, people would find out about my work. I would post on stuff online or mm. I would be recommended from friends and I would just do these different gigs that came my way. And so I, I ended up dabbling in a lot of different things. Um, I didn't decide to specialize in games until fairly recently, just a few years ago, really. Um, it's been a fast rise for me ever since I did. Cause I'd always done like I've been writing games ever since I came out to Los Angeles, but always sporadically. And so I, I then decided to focus on narrative design as a career. And, uh, and I started just getting like job after job. And it, it turned out that that was maybe the, the, the niche that I was best suited for. Um, and that I am most excited about, um, as a medium. So it worked out really well. Um, but yeah, I just think that like when you're in early days as a writer, you know, it's hard to get work. So I think you just kind of like, yeah, you kind of go from thing to thing and try to figure it out. Mm, yes. Uh, can you can you tell us what games that you have worked on before? So uh, some of my favorite uh, games that I've worked on include uh, Murder in the Alps, which is a murder mystery mobile game with millions of players worldwide. Mm. Um I did. I I co-created the official Wet Hot American Summer tabletop role-playing game. Wet Hot American um, Summer. Ooh, what is yeah, that? Yeah, you know the if there, it's a a movie and Netflix series. Oh. Um, that's a comedy series that's very popular and uh, well, has a cult following at least. And it featured a lot of celebrities who became uh, who weren't celebrities in in the time. So they they. They were all part of this project. People like Paul Rudd and oh. Bradley Cooper wow. were all like in the cast before they were famous. And so it has, it's a very funny movie. And then the series is really great too. We did the, I uh, worked on the, the official, uh, the official tabletop role-playing game. Cause it's a part of the, the movie. The original movie mm. is D and D and D is part of the original movie. Um, so I worked on that. Um, I worked on uh, Disney Wonderful Worlds, which is um, a mobile game where you create your own Disney theme park um, through puzzles, which is really cool. Um, and um, Fallen Legion Revenants, which is an action RPG for uh, Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation. Oh, wow. And uh, it's sort of a heavy 
uh, a heavy game with moral implications and lots of fast-paced uh, action and excitement. Um, so really runs the gamut. Oh, and one more that I, I really loved is uh, was Cue the Clever Bot, which is an educational robot toy um, that teaches kids how to program. Oh. And I wrote g- games that kids can play with the, the robot in real time. And, and it's, they're really, it's really neat. So if you have like a cousin or some, a younger uh, sibling who is interested in, uh, in programming, I, I recommend Q. He, that's he's actually, a great toy. That's actually really cool. I've never he- heard of anything like that before. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. They're neat. Yeah. Uh, so what, how, how is game writing uh, different from like traditional screenwriting, like for like for a video game specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it really depends um, on the genre of the game you're working on. In some instances, they're actually very similar. Um, so you may be tasked to write a game's cinematics, um, and that game may have a linear story structure. Let's say you're writing like a platformer with cinematics, Mm. you know, there may not be any, say, branching paths or there may not be any variation in the story. You may be writing what feels like a traditional uh, linear narrative. So, um, but I'll say this, and then, then of course, that goes all the way to, you know, branching path games that feel nothing like uh, writing a traditional screenplay because you are, mapping out complex uh story trees yeah you know yeah. you are you are trying to figure out like oh if this character it's like does choices this. yeah the, yeah a lot of choices yeah yeah but the but the, the tasks really vary in video games i mean and again by genre like you may be asked to write a um like a first person shooter maybe you only need, maybe they only need the writer to write a bunch of barks, which is like, um, those are like the, the phrases that a character says mm. when a specific action happens, like, Oh my guts, you know, mm-hmm. when they get hit or take that idiot, you yeah. know, when they shoot you in the head, <laughs> uh, they shoot. So, you know, the, it, and that you may be working on that kind of game for three weeks, but you may be working on a role-playing game for two years, five years, you know, two to five years. Yeah. I'm sure. That, um, that's like a full on like D and D campaign because you're like you're kind of like the the, the game master pl- planning out every like story thread that you could that you could imagine, but you also have like these. It's like it's like a structured story that the players have to like go through specifically. Whereas in in D and D, it's like free formed improvisation when the players decide to go and be like be murder hobos and stuff like that. <laughs> That's true. Although there are more, uh, there's, there's more open world yeah. uh, video games now that are trying to sort of emulate that. And, and of course with um, AI, you know, with, with AI, I think we, we wonder if we'll see more games that try to basically improvise with their uh, players in, in the manner of like D and D. It's an interesting, it's, it's a very interesting time. Get one of the things I love about games is that they're constantly changing and evolving, mm-hmm. you know, with, with movies and television, there are very like st- strict sort of guidelines for like how to write them. Mm-hmm. There are books like, I don't know if you've heard of a book like save the cat, you know, or, you know, oh, yeah. Joseph Camp, jo- you know, Joseph Campbell's work, you know, there are like things that are taught, like this is how a story is structured. You know, the, the you know, we, the hero denies the question. You know, yeah, you have the, like things. the different acts and, and stuff, and there's always right. at that like resolution at the end and, and everything right. like that. I and co- that's not true with games. I mean, there's yeah, no, no really, it's not. They, they vary. They vary from genre to genre. They vary from game to game. They vary from studio to studio. How you write games, you know, really changes, um, you know, depending on where you're at. So it's really cool. It always provides a new challenge on how to create a meaningful story within uh, the guidelines and the the templates and the uh, that the developers have set out. So Mm. it's really cool. So something I want to kind of jump back to is you said something about how like like how AI is like being developed. Do you think that? At a certain point in time, ga- video games are going to develop NPC, like like role playing games, NPC, a artificial intelligence to a point where you wouldn't need like like 
they may basically make games like Dungeons and Dragons obsolete because you can just go into this video game and actually make any kinds of choices that you want and then the artificial intelligence will will react to those choices kind of thing well the challenge is um there i i would say yes and no i certainly there are definitely there are definitely developers who are trying who are working on a project like you're describing Mm -hmm. um the challenge is that the way these artificial intelligence systems work at least currently is they're trying to predict a probability from like word to word, sentence to sentence, that like what they're saying, what it is spouting is like connected to what it is saying. Mm. So, so in other words, it's like, it's like saying, um, okay, I feed the prompts like, uh, you know, talk like a pirate and say, you know, uh, you know, give me a good grocery list for today. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, you know, it spouts back, like, yar, you know, you should buy eggs. And it's not saying that because it understands the prompt. It's saying it because it's the probability of each word being correct in that sentence is like mm. a it's like a high percentage. Like, it, so would, it this, would need to know the language. It would need to know the language and also just the, the comprehension skill of the, the com- AI. The, the, comp- the comprehension is where you get into trouble in terms of trying to do long-term storytelling. Because mm. I can you can have a pretty decent like conversation now with an AI based on a prompt. Like it, it will spout back something that is intelligible. Mm. Um some have criticized it for being boring, but at least it's intelligible. Um but the problem is, can it remember its own story? Like, if I go, it, you know, can it figure out, like, oh, okay, if I piss off this NPC, you know, can it can it understand that and then give that information to another to a to a second NPC who might be a relative of that NPC, and then, you know, can I build the story? Like, can I build a story? Yeah, yeah, that... The other thing, the other thing too, is that like with D and D, you know, any action that you want to do costs the same, you know, at a table, right? Yeah, it's like if yeah. I, if you want to have your characters, you know, hang out in the tavern and and shoot the shit, or if you want to have them fight a dragon, it costs the same amount of money, nothing, or hopefully nothing. Or if you're <laughs> paying a DM, I guess it may cost whatever that DM's rate is per hour, but. <laughs> But generally speaking, it costs nothing. Mm-hmm. No, there's no difference. But like in video games, there's a tremendous difference because of the branching. The the branching adds cost because you are you're adding potentially new sets. You know, you're adding new props, new cost. You know, new new uh, player avatar. You know, lines of dialogue, voice lines of dialogue. So so like, sure, you could have an NPC say as a quest giver and say you know have them you know but let's say they tell you okay you need to go to the volcano and fight a dragon because it feels like that's like something that like an npc is like likely to say in a video game yeah like well is there a video game programmed into the thing is there a dragon if so, like it all has to be like rendered and stuff so yeah yeah uh, so anyway that's so I see. So yes and no. I think that maybe the first thing we'll see is is like in video games is like in big open world games having like a vast world filled out with like NPC with like artificially generated NPC characters with like a very limited you know set of parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of fill out the space, right? So you don't need a writer to write every one of these thousands, but but you could have thousands of characters, you know, that you could potentially have a little tiny, interesting, you know, a little tiny conversation with, basically. Um, and uh, I could see it. I could I could see that that would be an interesting first step, particularly for a game that has the the budget and the to to spend on the sort of the 
um, the the experimental technology that that this is because we're still in very much in early days. Yeah, very, yeah, with AI, it, very early. But I mean, the, there's a lot of things going on, going on. We we don't even know. Uh, <laughs> but the another thing I want to ask you is you've you you've worked on tabletop RPGs and also video games. Uh, which one do you like best when it comes? Uh-huh. To, yes. Oh, what a what a hard question. Well, <laughs> the thing the the thing is that, um, and uh, this has at least been true for me. Video games pay a living wage, and uh, tabletop RPGs do not. No. Um, so so um, so when it comes to my preference in terms of like which one can put food in my belly, I would say video games for mm. sure. Um, but when it comes to the art of it, I mean, you know, oftentimes when I'm working on video games, I'm working for a client. Whereas when I'm working on tabletop games, I'm doing work for myself mm. um, on a much smaller scale. And so a lot of those projects can feel very satisfying, the TTRPG projects, just because they are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're mine. They're, they're my vision, you mm. know. Um, whereas I, I love to collaborate um, but you know, uh, when you get to a bit, when you're at a big studio and you're working on a big collaboration, like you can kind of lose your voice. You can, you sort of have to kill your babies at times. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, and that can be difficult. But I, but it's hard because I love in, making indie video games and 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 small. Like I did a um, a text adventure game this year. It was um, the highest ranked short game at the this year's IF comp, the mm. interactive fiction competition. And um, uh, it was called Use Your Psychic Powers at Applebee's. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you could feel free. It's a free game. You can check it out. Um, you check it. If you look that up on Google, you'll find it. Uh, Use Your Psychic Powers at Applebee's. Um, but the um, but it, it was a lot of fun and it was you know it's a video game but it was completely you know my vision and mm. and it was fun to execute it so so yeah I don't know it's it's difficult it's a difficult question is uh is your main system for tabletop RPGs D and D or do you, do you have a homebrew system that you've made that is your main one to play the game that I play the most is uh, with my friends uh, Brent and Patrick. We have a an actual play podcast like yours. Um, but it's called... Um, excuse me. It's called uh, um, Worst Movies Ever Played. And it's on the Starburns Audio Network, um, home of, uh, of Harmontown and other comedy podcasts. Mm. And the, the premise of it is uh, that we, like, use our role-playing game system to improvise bad movies. Like, <laughs> movies from, like, the 1980s and 90s that, you know, you would find in a dumpster behind the blockbuster. Like, that's the level of, like, VHS movie we're aspiring to, oh. to create. Um, and so we, we just finished our second season of that. And nice. so we, we play a system, uh, we play a system called Straight to VHS, from Lost Cat Games, which is a rules light system that is designed specifically for movies, for 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 uh, playing through movies, and it's a lot of fun. It has a lot of really wacky powers and abilities and stuff, and and a really good structure for uh, for movie making games. So um, that's the one I've probably played the most, um, at least recently. Um, but I've played some, my fair share of D and D, uh, and and also some uh, Powered by the Apocalypse as well. Mm. Um, yeah, all uh, you know, all have their uh, pluses and minuses. But uh, but yeah, I love I love TTRPGs. Awesome, awesome. Uh, is there a favorite genre that you have, like when it comes mm. to even writing or or even just just playing games? I mean, I listen. I I am. Uh, I came up as a comedy writer, yes. and <laughs> I love I love humor. So I, I'll pretty much attach myself to any. I'll, I actually enjoy hopping from genre to genre. If I can just add some of my trademark humor to it, yeah, and I feel, yeah, I actually enjoy. Yeah, I'll I'll tackle any genre, sci-fi or fantasy. 
um, horror, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try anything as long as, yeah, I can get sort of a foothold in it with my style. And even when I can't, it's interesting, like what I was saying earlier about Fallen Legion, you know, that, that game had a little bit of humor in it, but for the most part, it was pretty grim and serious. And, mm-hmm. um, but I liked the challenge of trying to write something that was, um, you know, more powerful and, and, uh, and, you know, full of moral quandaries. It, it was really interesting, but, the, my home style is always uh, humor. So, and with Adventure Snack, I hop around from genre to genre. So every every uh, you know every um, game I put out, I do twice a month. I email games to my subscribers, and um, every issue of it is a different uh, is a different genre. So uh, I, I like to be a chameleon in that way. That that's great, and also I I feel like like having having those moments inside even gr- like grim dark like gritty stories with uh just having those like those moments of of comedic relief like that's why yeah. you have the the comedy comedy relief character inside of it so that it's not always so grim or else you're just like oh gosh why am i watching this or or reading this or whatever uh, yeah it becomes an upsetting experience it yeah. becomes tough yeah. who wants that yeah i mean some people do but i i'm not a I'm not a big fan of the DC uh, universe, so so uh, yeah. DC is—I don't even know what's going on with DC at, at this point. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. I I also have another question for you. You've you've worked for like bigger so 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 big big name companies. Um, how was your experience with working with them? And do you feel like do you feel like they've changed with, as the industry has changed with the culture? Hmm. How do I feel in terms of working with bigger companies? Yeah, like, like yeah, and like how how do how does hmm. that whole process kind of kind of work out? I'm, I'm I'm curious. Well, you know, when you're working for a big company, I mean, so I've worked as both a contractor and I've worked as um, as an employee with big studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I don't know. There's it's I, I it's trick. It's 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 de- really depends on the company culture. Mm. Like, you know, I've worked for some studios where it's like, you are a cog in that machine. Like mm, yeah. you, you, they have a set of things of assets that they need and you are just cranking them out. You know, I've worked for others where it's very creative and collaborative environment, you know, our, the, the department that I work for, you know, will be, you know, everybody's very, um, you know, we're, we're having writers meetings and stuff mm-hmm. and we're working together and, and jamming on stuff. So it really depends. It's um, there's, I, I don't know that things have, the, the big thing that's changed, I think at least in recent years is the pandemic, a lot of yeah. people to work from home. And I, I think it has changed. Um, some of that culture, although I find, you know, if in the old days, uh, there's a company, the company I'm currently working for, the studio I, I currently work for, they're based in Los Angeles, but I, the job is entirely remote. Mm. Um, I find myself in meetings all the time, uh, collaborating all the time, you know, as if I were in an office. Yeah, because um, you're probably like on Zoom, like constantly, and, and it's just... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it really just really depends. Well, okay. Well, uh, is now I, I want to get into like into more of like the storytelling based stuff with, with your uh, adventure with your adventures. Is, is there a specific story that you can kind of elaborate on that you've created hmm. that you um, that you enjoy telling? A story that I enjoyed telling there. Um, yeah, I'll give you an example from my um, from my TTRPG work. Mm-hmm. Um, I did so. I worked on a series called Helm Gray Castle for um, for Image Comics. Um, it was a collaboration with my friend uh, Henry Barajas, who's a very talented comics writer. And basically, he asked me to write a D and D campaign. That was set in the world of the comic. So the idea would be that you could sort of you would read the comic and then you could 
in the series and mm. uh and it's really cool it was a as it's an aztec fantasy series so Ooh, it's like aztec take, that's cool yeah it's a really really neat and, and unique setting for the fantasy space um and i really enjoyed that process because he gave me a lot of creative freedom and i was like i i was able to like design a dungeon that was it it was a temple i don't want to like i guess i don't want to like spoil it um <laughs> but it's a temple with a very interesting and deadly history and the as your as the players learn that history they become more in danger um mm. and and the walls sort of close in around them so to speak in this uh in this temple a bunch of booby traps um, yeah, there's plenty of booby traps. Yeah, <laughs> including one major booby trap that is. Uh, it's a, anyway, so you you can get it uh, to image. But I really enjoyed the process because it was really fun collaborating with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me some guidelines, but then he let me sort of take the reins and and do what I do. And uh, and then we had a great playtesting session where we uh, we found some things that really worked and other things that needed to be tweaked, which is a major part of the process, you know, is playtesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and then we did it, uh, then we playtested it some more, and and, uh, and it worked really well. And, and that, was just a, that was just a great process and, and, uh, and a really fun story to tell because it was a world that I wasn't as familiar with. I, I had to do a bunch of research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really cool to yeah to just sort of dive in and and uh, and try something uh, something new and different. So yeah. And you you also said that you do uh you write like like narrative narratives for like podcast stuff too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I, I have done that fiction pot like I've done um, audio fiction, nice as well as uh, as well as as I say actual plays and things like that. Yeah. So like. Uh, for for this podcast, when it when it, when I first started it, I I used it as a way to just tell the the lore behind my universe. And then in season three of it, because right now we're in season four, but uh, season three I did it was more like a like a fictional like storytelling with occasional set like game sessions inside of it to like kind of like and I did like sagas and it's an anthology. Where like you 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 learn about certain characters and in, in different places throughout the universe, and it's all kind of converging into one one storyline. Um, but like when it when it comes to like n- writing narr- narrative narratives for like podcasts, how, do you do you do um, do you write like just like one episode like one episode per thing, or do you like do like little se- like mini series at the that the uh, voice actors do, or and do you voice act for them? Actually, <laughs> uh, so I have done some voice acting. Uh, I used to do when I was a kid. I used to do radio commercials, mm. um, and uh, and I've done voice acting and and DJing and so, like not in the DJ like a party sense, but DJing <laughs> like a radio DJ. Yeah, um, I, I've done that for many years. I enjoy doing it. It's always fun when I get the opportunity to voice a character. I, I always I really dig it. Um, so, you know, I, it depends. Um, so I've done work for clients in interactive fiction where I've written like pilots say, mm-hmm. um, or rather, and sorry, in uh, audio fiction, um, where I've written pilots. Um, I, I think for the most part, we'll, we'll probably do, if we're going to do it, audio fiction, we're going to do a, we're going to plan a series. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing I do is. I'll probably, you know, write out like a character's character bibles, you know, um, a plot, you know, the the sort of plot out the arc of the season, if there is an arc or just come up with the the different episodes that they're going to be before I start writing script. So so, yeah, so it'll be um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a process. I, I. I typically wouldn't like just start I you I would never like just dive into a script. Mm-hmm. Like I'll always outline before. I always want I always want to have an idea of what my ending is cuz that's like the worst when you go and you you have a great idea for like a beginning of a story and you write it and then you get kind of lost in the middle. Yeah. And usually when you get lost in the middle it's because you don't you know, don't know where, where you're, you're going. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so having that like outline is a really helpful tool, even if you don't use it, even if you change it 
partway through the process, having that like confidence that like you know your story is really important. And that's why I like to try to map out a season, mm. you know, if I'm going to do a season of a show, because um, I want to have a sense of where the whole thing is going yeah. before I actually start diving into script. Yeah. And that's kind of like the same, the same kind of mindset that I, I have when it comes to planning out my campaigns and just like where I want the players to end up. I don't know exactly how it's going to end up happening, but at at a certain point, some some things need to cross paths in order for for them like to have some kind of conflict resolution throughout the throughout the game for the players to feel like they're being challenged enough, and but but also be able to push through those challenges. And like that, I feel like that's the whole point of of games and movies and shows because you you want a, you want some kind of conflict, and you want to that conflict has to come at a climax event inside inside the the series or or show or whatever you wherever you're doing and then and then the the main characters need to push past that it's like the it's the hero's journey you know the hero's journey yeah but it's interesting <laughs> with D&D because it's uh you know it's it can be as you said difficult to plan yes it, um yeah. you know when your characters uh you know have a minds of their own so <laughs> they may not they might not uh, want to follow your 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 breadcrumbs. <laughs> no, they they want to go into the woods. To, they want to go right, into was, into the woods, and you're just like, wait, the, the main plot point is over there in the city. Why are you going into mm-hmm. the woods? I want to go hunting. Always, <laughs> yeah. I remember one t- one time um, I was playing a game. Uh, I was playing uh, a game of straight to VHS with my friends, and mm-hmm. um, we had. A group of the group of like ma- of like Russian mafia men were like coming to get us, and we decided um, it, the the DM had imagined that we were going to like get gun, you know, that we were going to like fortify our our home and you know or and protect ourselves, and instead we decided to hold a borscht festival <laughs> to see if we could uh, to see if we could. We could, I guess, come to uh, terms with the with the the Russian monsters, <laughs> and, and the DM had definitely not had any plans that we were going to have a borscht festival. <laughs> and so we often will call it, whenever we go off tangent or something like that, we'll call it a borscht festival. <laughs> um, oh so, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, yeah. I, I thankfully, you know, what's weird is. Whenever I've been the the GM for any of my games, my players have always been good about going down the the going down a path that I that I can at least improvise down and not like not to where it just breaks the entire the entire like the entire story. It actually works with the story. They they always they always manage to work with the story, which is well, a, a blessing well, really for good. me. Which is a blessing for Absolutely. me. But I think it also shows that maybe you're on on a good wavelength with them. Mm. You know that like that the choices that they want to make are the ones that you want them to to take on. You know, so so there it shows maybe a bit of uh, some camaraderie there with your with you and your uh, and your players, which is uh, really great for an actual play. Mm-hmm. Have you had any any crazy experiences with players? Oh, like just like, in general? Yeah, in general. Like, like, what is the craziest experience that you've had with with one of your players? <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> That's the <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm, I'm trying to think of any like wacky stories come to mind. I mean, for the most part, the people who have like I tested the games I've worked on, or or uh, you know, they've they've been pretty just cool they've been pretty chill mm-hmm. i mean you know a lot of the games i make are are like funny and weird games so yeah. like they'll so they'll do funny and weird they'll things. do funny and weird things right because <laughs> that's what the story's probably yeah. to do but they they're not like weird strange people or whatever it's not like anybody who like went off the rails or went up, made everybody uncomfortable or anything like that yeah they're just they're, they're just doing what's prompted you know <laughs> yeah yeah, I I know. Like, there's like there there's some game tables where they'll like 
some players who are just now start like who are just starting out don't understand like what is going on so they'll just do the most wacky insane things that they could do because they it's just imagination and they're just thinking like okay i can just do whatever i want they're not really caring right. about it so like there there'll be like players who who that's where like the murder hobo com- comes into play where where just characters will just go around and then realize they have a bunch of power stronger than and like an average npc and then go and kill someone and be like oh crap i have power here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it's wild i mean you, you know in a game where there are really there are few limitations yeah people sort of take that as as carte blanche sometimes mm-hmm. um you know but i think with the i think the fun of D isn't so much that you have no limits it's that you and your friends are exploring the limits of your ima- of your collective imagination yes. yeah it's like it's a collaborative storytelling experience and right the the more the more you collaborate with everyone at the table the the more emotion you'll have and then the more connection you'll have with your character because as soon as your that character dies you, like I've had my characters die before, like like big characters or like or like my my allies at the table who they have they have died. I've cried for their deaths, and it's like it's mm-hmm. actually an emotional experience because you've 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 gone through so much with these with this yeah. just this story. No, I, I this happens to me when I'm writing, um, where I'll write a character and. I'll have them do something and I'll real, it'll give me an emotional response mm-hmm. just because like I, I can empathize with the, the character to that point. That was something that happened on fallen Legion where I actually like wrote a scene that like made me cry. Wow. I was just like so deeply invested in it. And, um, and it was really a heartbreaking story. And I realized it had to be like, at first I was writing it and I was like plotting it out and it was like, Oh, you know what? This is, this, this could be a happy ending, and then I realized, like, oh no, it can't be. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that the math doesn't work out for that. This is going to be really depressing to write. And then when I actually <laughs> finally, read, that was in the outline. And then when I actually wrote it, it was yeah, it was a really gut wrenching experience. Um, so some like just, sometimes you need those those like stories to tell. Like honestly, it, like because I've in the background i've been i've been working on on a bunch of different like series following different characters like my my players and stuff one of the series is going to be like a it's a like a 21 session uh series and my player plays two characters inside of it um one of them is like is an evil character and one of them is is a like a good a good character who's just had a rough time of it and they I, I i put them up against each other so basically they have to fight each other by by the end of it <laughs> and it, it's just the build-up and and then the climax is just it's it's a tragic story and it's 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 gut-wrenching it's 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 amazing and it is on the level of some of the best like the best role playing I've I've seen uh, like from from cast like Critical Role and and like even like in even in film like it, it's it's some great stuff and yeah. every time I every time I think about it I, it it just it's it tugs at my heartstrings because of just how deeply emotional the entire series kind of built itself up to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean you you know when it's when these things do their job it's uh you know when when great art like touches our soul, right? I mean in mm-hmm. some way it makes us it makes us feel something. Mm-hmm. And that's why like I I I'm not somebody who I I don't focus a lot on plot. I'm I'm not big into plot really. I like a good high concept. Like I like a like a fun, broad concept. But yeah. really, when I invest in a story, I, I'm when I'm writing a story, I'm really thinking from the character's perspective. Yes. Because that is what gives you the window 
into the emotions of the piece. Of what are we supposed to feel about this? Yes. About this, and it's with the plot. It's like a plot could be almost any. I mean, could be almost anything. But the how the characters respond in a situation. I think that's that's the the deep, that's when things get deep. And and uh, and investing in the characters. I, I think you really can't go wrong. Yeah, and and also it's not even just like it's not even just just that but like the the characters themselves is your window into the world surrounding you so you're learning yeah. about the world I mean, I, through the I lens of the characters that's right and their opinions of the world mm-hmm. i think are more important than the objective facts yes. of the world yeah they're the, the way that they live the way that they're treated, the way that their families are, you know, are the jobs that they have and the way that they deal with their day-to-day lives. That, to me, that's much more interesting than, you know, there's a mountain called this mountain and, you know, it does that, you know, and it does this every three years or whatever. It's like, it's like, I want to know like, oh, okay, if that mountain blows up, like, you know, has it, 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 it oh, oh this this group of uh, you know this town is going to have to move their whole town because the, the volcano is finally going to explode you know how tragic how heartbreaking you know Some, that's something when I, relatable that's when i connect that's when i connect to the story yes you know? yeah like you like whenever you're you're writing something like like a fact about the world or something like that like tie tie people to that fact in some in some regard so that it it you can relate to it in in some way yeah yeah well uh as we i i believe that i have only a little bit more time um let me see let me see what, what what's what's some more questions i can ask you oh better get the get the good ones in yeah uh get the good ones in What's the strangest medium you've designed a, designed a game for? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I so I told you about a robot toy that I worked on. Yes, but yeah. it's not the it's not the only robot toy I've worked on. Um, so as an independent project uh, with a friend of mine, Jordan, who at the time was an audio engineer, um, we decided to. Uh, Okay, so I don't know if you remember a toy called the Two XL. Um, it was a, originally it was a it was a eight track toy. Eight it was a toy robot toy that used eight track player as it, as it's in its a very strange toy. But the version I have is a '90s version that uses an audio cassette. But basically, mm-hmm. it's a robot that is an audio tape player, and what it does is. It has four track. It's a four track audio cassette player. But okay, so you, you're familiar with like a classic audio cassette tape, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it has like two. It has like each side has two tracks: mm-hmm. left track and right track, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are four tracks total on the tape. There's side A, left and right; side B, left and right. So what this toy does is it plays all four tracks simultaneously in the same order and mm. in, in the same way. Uh, and what that, and then it has four buttons on it that selects one of the tracks. So you can have interactivity when it says, you know, it's like a trivia game and it's like, uh, I'm two XL. Like, you know, uh, who was the first president of the United States? Was it George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, President whoever? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you press the one button and that plays track one and it says, congratulations, you are correct. But if you press the three button, it would say, you are an idiot. You got it completely wrong. And But there's no computer element to it it's just very cleverly mimicking uh what a computer does Mm. um so we decided we were going to make the first new game for the tiger 2xl in uh, 25 years and uh and we did we created i voiced it and wrote it and voiced it and uh jordan uh produced it 
And it's called uh, Facts About the Robot Uprising. And the premise of the game, it's, it's a trivia game where the 2XL is going to try to prepare you for the the carnage uh, coming to humanity that the robots like him will bring, <laughs> uh, will bring about. And uh, and it was a lot of fun to do it. I, I we would t- I took it to comedy clubs and I would do it as a like a weird act, it, you know, <laughs> where I, the audience would pick the choices. Um, and then you and did, uh, that's cool. We did it at uh, at Indiecade. It was a select. It was featured at Indiecade, which is a um, an independent games festival uh, based in. Uh, Los Angeles and uh, though they're international and uh, and so it was really fun it was it was a lot of fun uh, working on uh, working on that project I would say the Tiger 2XL is probably the most obscure medium that I've uh, that I've worked on for sure it is definitely interesting (laughs) yeah it's not for it's not everybody uh, has heard of it Um, but it's there it's a really neat toy it was a really cool toy um and so I was really, it was really fun to put something together for that. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we're coming up to the end of the podcast. Is there any places, well, can you name off all the places that people can find you at? Absolutely. Um, well, let's see. For the time being, you can find me on Twitter um, at Jeffrey Golden. That's uh, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, like the giraffe, G-O-L-D-E-N, like the color. Um, so I'm on Twitter, um, but the best way to follow me is probably my newsletter, uh, which I uh, talked about earlier, Adventure mm-hmm. Snack at adventuresnack.com. That will um, be in the link of, of the description. So you That's great. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. This yes. was a, a real pleasure. Yes, and we, we, could, we could do it again uh, in the future. Actually, uh, I'm, go- I'm working on a beginner module for my game, and I'm going to be doing playtests sometime in 2023. I haven't decided yet. So if you if if you're open to it, I'd love to I have on a bunch of a bunch of people and, and do like a play test. Uh, of Ooh, it too. Yeah. I'm so, happy. To, I'm happy to help. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for coming on. This was a blast. I, I like I liked picking at your brain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It, uh, it is. Uh, it was fun to be picked. I suppose. <laughs> um, much appreciated. I thank you for listening to our conversation. If you want to have fun reading over your emails, be sure to try out adventuresnack.com to sign up for Joffrey's interactive story newsletter. There is a link in the description of this episode. Also, if you'd like to explore more of the new expanding universe, there are links for that as well. Until next time, travelers, be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.